Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read the first three verses of Philippians 4. My parents are in town, and I told them I'm really excited about this message. And they said, what, what are the verses? And I read them the verses, and they were kind of surprised. Because, <laughs> you know, nobody's favorite verse in Philippians is probably in this section, but it's still really profitable and really helpful. So, at least two and three is what we're going to focus on today. So, but let's go back to verse one, Philippians four one. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Verse two and three, which we're going to talk about today. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So what we're talking about here today is Paul writing to a real church, the church in Philippi, and at the end of this letter, after we've covered a lot of content and ground, he calls out two people by name. And they're apparently having a disagreement because he's telling them they need to agree in the Lord. And he asks others to help them. And so you can imagine what this would be like. I'm not going to do it today, obviously, but if I started calling out people by name, well, what about you guys? You guys need to do this and do that. But that's what happened here in Paul's letter to Philippi. You know, they read this publicly to everybody. And he called these two ladies out, which is pretty remarkable. And we don't know a lot. There's a lot that we don't know about these ladies. And what don't we know? We don't know the topic of the disagreement. Nothing's mentioned of it. We don't know the motives behind what was going on. We don't know their motives. We don't know the manner. Maybe they were very mild or maybe they were very sharp. We don't know. We don't know the effects of the disagreement. We don't know how what effect it had in the church in their lives, and their families, how it affected others. And we don't know the timing of the disagreement. It could have been going on for a long time. It could have been uh, something that was, you know, fine to disagree about, but they, di- they would do it at the wrong times. Maybe they would stand up in the meetings or something and say something. We don't know. We don't know the topic, the motives, the manner, the effects, or the timing. What do we know? What do we know about this disagreement? What can we learn and how can we apply it? Well, the first thing we, we can see is that real Christians have disagreements. That he calls them, look here in uh, verse 3, he, he calls these women, he says, they've labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He says their names are in the book of life, that they are laborers in the gospel, they're Christians. And yet they have a disagreement. They have a disagreement and they need to agree in the Lord. So the first thing we can learn is that real Christians have disagreements. Second thing we can learn, real Christians can lose sight of what's important in disagreements. So we don't know what the disagreement was about, but we do know that the answer was they needed to agree in the Lord. They had lost sight of what's important and they need to be redirected to agree in the Lord. So real Christians can disagree, but they can also 
lose sight of what's important in disagreements, which happened here. We don't know how it happened, but we know that it happened. Moving quickly, third thing what, that we do know, that Christians need guidance. Real Christians need guidance on how to handle disagreements. Not only can real Christians have disagreements and, and mess up in terms of disagreements, real Christians need, still need guidance on how to handle disagreements. And so that's what Paul's giving here, that this is something that's important for us to think about and to get teaching on. And that's what Paul's doing here briefly in this specific instance, and he does it more at length in other books, uh, but it comes up in many of Paul's letters, disagreements and how to handle them. Fourth, we, do, we can learn that real Christians need help from one another in disagreements. So not only do they need teaching, he calls on the church to help them. Again, verse 3, I ask you also, true companion, so that could be somebody's name, you know, when they write the book um, of Luke, they write it, Luke and Acts to Theophilus, and that just means lover of God. They assume that's a name. There's disagreement on this, whether true companion means true companion, or that's actually just somebody's name. So it could be a person, we don't know a person's name, or he could be describing someone that people know, but he's saying they need help. Not only do they need teaching, they're saying, agree in, he says, agree in the Lord. That's not enough. He's saying, and you people around him, help them. Help these ladies. Help these ladies. Help them. Because they need help. So Christians need teaching, but they also need help from one another in disagreements. And finally, what we do know, what we can see is, that real Christians can agree in the Lord and disagree about secondary things. Paul here doesn't say, doesn't parse out who's right and who's wrong. He says, I know you disagree. Agree in the Lord. Agree in the main thing. Set this apparently secondary thing aside and agree in the Lord. And so, that's the last thing we do know that we can take from this. Now, of all those things, we went over what we don't know and what we do know. Now, it's very hard to apply this to our lives without pulling in scriptures from other places. Because basically, we're left with, we don't know what happened. We know that Christians can disagree, but how do we know when and how to disagree? And that this text doesn't really cover that. It just brings up the issue. And so we're going to have to dive into other texts to, to figure it out. But we, we can know this. Whatever happened with Yodia and Syntyche, they either messed up on how or when to disagree. How or when to disagree. And what we want to know is how and when do we disagree as Christians? How and when? We've got to have both. We can't just have one or the other. We can't just know how to disagree but not know when. And we can't just know when to disagree but not know how. And I'll give you an example. Let's imagine you have two friends and one of the friends is got it down. They know how to disagree, but they don't know when. Okay, so imagine that. This person knows how to disagree. They, their manner is great. They're calm. They're patient. They're kind. They're gentle. They, they know that knowledge puffs up and love builds up, 1 Corinthians 8. And so they're not out there to be puffed up in a disagreement. They're humble. They're helpful. They're, they've got how to disagree. They know it. 
They're not coming to quarrel. Romans 14 says, when you have somebody who disagrees about food sacrifice to idols, it says, don't welcome them to quarrel about opinions. So it's saying, don't invite somebody over just to have a disagreement, a quarrel about food sacrifice to idols. And so you've got a friend who knows exactly how to disagree. They're never inviting someone over to pick a fight. They're not um, losing their temper in the disagreement. They know how to disagree, but they don't know when. They, they don't step in when it's time. They're patient and gentle and kind, but then when it's time to step in, they don't know when it is, and so they hesitate. And when it's really important for them to step in, they don't. They don't know what's important to disagree on. They don't know when to disagree. They know exactly how, but they miss the when. We don't want that. That's not what we want as Christians. We don't want to have the right manner, and then when the big thing comes or something where we need to step in, we don't have the when. We don't know when that is. It could be just the reverse. Maybe imagine you have another friend. You have your friend that knows the how but doesn't know the when, and then maybe you have another friend that's just the opposite. They know exactly when to step in. This is what's important. This is what's not. Then this is when I should look over, overlook something. It's not a big deal. And this is when it's important enough to stand up. And they have no idea on the how. They know exactly when I'm going to step in here because this is important. This is what the verse says. This is that. And I'm going to overlook this because this is not important. I'm not going to get into an argument about this. But when they do step in, they know exactly when. But when they do, they have no idea how. And they get upset and they get angry and they get sarcastic and they get mean. That's not good enough either. We don't want to be like that. We've got to know when and how to disagree. Both. Both when and how. You know, Titus 3, an example of not knowing when, uh, Titus 3 calls, uh, Paul says, to avoid foolish controversy, and he gives a few things, genealogies, quarrels about the law. And so he's saying, there's some things that aren't worth disagreeing about. You've got to know when to disagree And when somebody's having an argument over genealogies, that's not the time to step in. Don't step in. Um, So there's a how and the when. And we don't know what Uriah and Syntyche messed up on, but we know it was either the how or the when. And it could have been, there's a lot of different options here. We just don't know. But we can try and learn something. And the thing that is helpful, and I'm glad these verses are here, it makes us dig. Because we can't apply this verse to every situation, right? We can't just say every time there's a dis- disagreement, agree in the Lord. Just agree in the Lord. That's what Philippians 4, 2, and 3 say, agree in the Lord. You can't apply that to every situation. We know there's times not to agree in the Lord. For example, First John says if somebody says Jesus didn't come into the flesh, it doesn't say agree in the Lord. It says that person's not a brother. That person's actually against Christ. And so you don't, there's situations where you don't agree in the Lord. There's situations where you do agree in the Lord. And we need wisdom on how and when to disagree. And so we're going to kind of dig in to pull in some scriptures from outside Paul's letters, but also from Paul's letters, because he talks about this a lot, and we're just going to try and piece together some of these pieces, how to and when do we disagree. So I'm actually got a PowerPoint here. And so let's just start with, let's see, is this... Perfect. Okay, so this one thing that comes up often, and we're going to look at the verses specifically in a second, there's a word that comes up, quarrel. And Paul and and the book of Proverbs a lot 
always talk about quarreling as negative. So a quarrel, we could just call a disagreement that's not handled well. They don't know how or when to disagree. So here's a quarrel on this side, and here's a godly disagreement on this side. And so they both start out the same way. They both start out when you don't agree with someone. You understand things differently. And you think the other person's view is wrong. So here's this person, here's a Christian. I disagree with them, and we understand things differently, and I think, I think they're wrong. Now we can go one of two ways. We could quarrel, which is a, a disagreement that doesn't please God, or we could have a godly disagreement. And there's big differences. Start out the same, and they go totally different ways. Let's start with a quarrel. These are all from verses. I took this from verses. So what's a quarrel? I asked myself this question, what is a quarrel? And so I just Googled, actually not Googled, I just put in my Bible app, Coral, and I looked at all the verses, and I put in on this side of things that come up over and over related to quarrels. So scoffing, strife, ruins the hearers, it does no good, it's about, a quarrel is about being right, it can be offensive, abusive, and it's unprofitable. And we'll look at the verses specifically so you can see where I'm taking that. I'm not just making that up. Every single one of those has a verse. And a godly disagreement, on the other hand, is profitable. It's kind. It's worthwhile. The person is patient. The primary, primary goal is not about being right. It's about building up the other. It's not despising rather than scoffing or abuse. And it's willing to avoid disagreements on secondary avoid secondary disagreements and focus on primary issues. So that's a godly disagreement. Now, let's look at the verses to see where that comes from. But you can see, we don't want to do this. We do want to do this. But what happens is we, we get into a situation where we don't agree in which direction are we going to go and how do we know when and how to disagree. So if you, oh, you know what? I almost asked them to change the slide because... <laughs> I forgot. Um, that is a little bit unclear, but hopefully you can at least see the verses. So the left side is characteristics of quarreling. Okay? So let's just read some of these. We're going to go left, right, left, right, if that makes sense. So the first characteristic of quarreling, there's a lot of verses, so you can just look up here. If you want to look them up, that's great. In Titus 3, verse 8 9, it says, But avoid foolish controversies genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So one thing that we can see here from quarreling is they're foolish, they're things that aren't important. And he gives some specifics, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. And it says this, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So one thing we know about quarreling or disagreements we shouldn't have is they don't profit. There's not, they're, not, they're worthless. Nothing good comes from it. So if, if quarreling is unprofitable and worthless, we want things, if we're going to disagree, we want it to be profitable and worthwhile. You see where I took that from this verse? If quarreling is unprofitable and worthless, then what God wants us to do is disagree in a way that's profitable and worthwhile. Let's look at the next one. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, 2, and verse 9. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not know yet as he ought to know. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block 
to the weak. So as we have a disagreement, we don't want to be puffed up. We don't want it to be about us knowing more than the other person. We don't want to become a stumbling block to anyone. What do we want to do? On the other hand, let's look at a positive here from Romans 14. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So we see quarreling can puff someone up, and it can hurt other people. It can be a stumbling block to the weak. On the other hand, what we want to do is build up one another. And we don't want to hurt anyone. We want to avoid making anyone else stumble. So, back to quarreling. Uh, down here, Proverbs 22.10. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out. Quarreling and abuse will cease. So here you see some of those words we saw back here. Strife, scoffing, and abuse are all here related to quarreling. Quarreling is always presented as negative, the word quarreling. This is... These are things about the how of disagreements. We don't want to disagree by scoffing. We don't want to disagree by abuse, saying abusive things to people. We want to avoid that. Let's look at, on the other hand, the positive. Second Timothy in Proverbs 23 says, Paul says to Timothy, be respectful Basically, I'm going to use the word respectful, and this is what he said. Be kind to everyone, patient and gentle. I summarize that by saying the word respectful. He doesn't use the word respectful, but I'm trying to summarize all these ideas. What is scoffing? It's disrespectful, abuse. What is respectful would be kind, patient, and gentle. Proverbs 23, it is an honor for man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. There's things... To avoid. There's times where you don't step in. You just avoid it. You just say, not important. I'm not going to enter into this. I'm going to, I'm going to step out here. I'm going to avoid quarreling. I'm not going to engage in this. And then last, uh, let's look at these two here. Let's start with quarreling, the negative example. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know that they breed quarrels. There are things that you can know going into, if I get into this, people are going to sin. People are going to sin. Or um, this is going to start something that's going to spread a negative, a negative disagreement. It's going to start a quarrel. And so I'm an, we want to have nothing to do with that. On the other hand, again, Romans 14 here on the right, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about what he's saying here. He's saying, we're not going to quarrel. When I invite somebody over who has a view that's wrong and I believe they're wrong, if it's not essential, if it's not something essential to the kingdom of God, I can invite them over and not talk about it. 
they can come over and we can just avoid it, not talk about it, because the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking anyways. That's not what the kingdom of God is, is about. That's a secondary thing. Now, I hope this is, this is, I hope this is helpful to you, this, um, but so far, impossible for you to remember all this, basically. It, maybe one of you, you know, I, kid, I couldn't remember all this. So how are we going to summarize this? Because when you get into a situation, sometimes it's immediate like that. You're, somebody's talking to you and they say something, and you have to decide in the moment, am I going to enter in, am I going to avoid this? Even just going through all these verses in your mind, even if you could memorize them all, you couldn't do it in a moment like that. So how are we going to remember this? We need some way to actually distill this down and actually apply it to our lives. Um, even if I, I prepared this, and I couldn't remember all this. I've been thinking about it all week. So we've got to think, how can we do this? There's a lot of pieces in play here, how and when to disagree. The Bible presents a big a, a broad and a, a lot of big ideas here. So let's see if we can narrow it down. So I made an acronym to hopefully summarize this whole chart in a way that you can remember it. So the acronym is PURE. And it just happened to work out um, that PURE would be kind of a good word because we want to be pure in our disagreements, both in the how and the when, right? We want to be pure in our doctrine. We don't want to invite people in that believe that Jesus didn't come in the flesh and agree in the Lord there. That wouldn't be pure doctrine. On the other hand, when we do disagree, we want to be pure in our uh, character. We don't want to disagree on all the right things and then a sin when we disagree. So we want, be, we want to be pure in our doctrine and in our character. So that's hopefully how you can remember the word pure. But here's what pure stands for. The P is profitable. And this is the largest category. It kind of summarizes all of them, although there's some things that 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 are that just fit under profitable. But the first is profitable, and you remember the verse we talked about earlier. I'm taking that from Titus three, where it says quarrels are unprofitable and worthless. So we want to ask, is this profitable? Is this profitable? Are you or the other person too upset? To be able to hear. Is there a willingness to hear? Maybe you've said the same thing many times before. Have you said this a hundred times? Maybe it's time to let it go. This time. Is there good coming from this conversation? Or is it worthless? Is, this, is there profit to this? When I enter into this, is something good going to come from it? Or is this worthless? So we ask ourselves, is this profitable? The you... So P is profitable, U is upbuilding. Upbuilding. Is my goal to build up the other person or to be right here? Is this going to build up the hearers or is this going to ruin the hearers? Is this upbuilding? We want our goal as we disagree to be to build up the other person. We're not we don't want to just be right. What would it matter if we're right on everything, we get into all these disagreements, we're always right, and we never build anybody up? It would be worthless. would not be profitable. R, respectful. Is this respectful? Is this kind? 
and gentle? Is this free from scoffing and abuse? Is this respectful? Am I being respectful? Is the other person? It may be that you can have a respectful conversation. The other person can't, and you need to bow out. You need to be the person that that realizes you may have the maturity to have a conversation about something, and the other person might not. And you might have to say, you know, this might not be a good time to talk about it. Or avoid it with that particular person. Now, one thing you might think about with this respectful is, there were sometimes Jesus was sharp. God can be sharp. But the reality is, the Bible says God is kind in all his works. Remember that? It's from Psalm 145. He's righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The only time Paul, Jesus, were sharp was when that was in a way that was respectful. Jesus was sharp, and then he would call, and he would weep over the people, and he would play with them. Come. Um, you, there may be a time to be sharp, but there's never a time to be unkind or scoff. There's a way to be sharp and be respectful and kind. We definitely shouldn't start out there, start out immediately sharp. But there are times where we do have to take a stand. And then lastly, the E is essential. Is this essential? Or would Paul describe it as a foolish, ignorant controversy? How high a priority is this topic, according to God's word? Should I be patient with this secondary issue and focus on more important matters? Is there time to, and I'm taking essential here um, from Romans 14 where he talks about here's this thing that's secondary and it's okay if people are wrong and I don't have to necessarily correct them. I can just invite them over for dinner because the main thing is the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. And so this is not to say that we can never have discussions or disagreements or talk about things that aren't essential, but it should come into our mind. We should consider it. Does that make sense? I'll give you an example. There may be brothers in the church that you could have a a profitable, upbuilding, respectful conversation about some non-essential you disagree on. But there might be others that you can't. And so it's not saying never discuss things that are non-essential. But if you are, you need to have that in the back of your mind. This is not essential. And so if this starts to go south, I'm just going to step out because it's not essential. If, if I have a, a, a friend that believes in infant baptism and I can have a great, respectful, profitable, a building discussion about that with them, I'm free to do that. I know it's not essential. I think they could be Christians. Absolutely. And, and, and there may be an opportunity to do that. So that doesn't mean we can't disagree and have, have a talk about it. But if I have another friend who believes the exact same thing, I still think they can be a Christian, but they get heated and they can't have a a profitable discussion, it's not respectful, it's not upbuilding, then that might be time to step out because it's not essential anyways. Or maybe it's you. Maybe there's something that you know, I get heated and worked up about this and it's not essential, may not be profitable for me to engage in this. And so that's, that's our goal here. Hopefully that is a way that you can remember all those different verses. Pure, is it profitable? Is it upbuilding? Is it respectful? Is it essential? 
So let's think, and let's, I'm going to use some examples here. Let's just let's work through this. Let's give some examples and think, okay, what would I do? And some of them are from the Bible. Some of them are just hypothetical. So here's one. So let's imagine a situation. There may be a situation where it's not profitable. The P is crossed out. So I'll give you an example. Here's Jesus in Matthew 21. And when he entered the temple... The chief priests and the elders and the people who came to him as he was teaching said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where did it come from? Heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd. For they all hold John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Is it up? Is Jesus' goal up, up building? Does he want good for them? We know he does. Is this respectful? This is one of the most respectful disagreements they've had. They're not calling Jesus. They didn't say, Are, you, are we right in saying you're insane and have a demon? Which is what they said to him in John. They're not... It's not disrespectful. They're actually being very respectful. Um, and it's essential. It's, it's absolutely essential to know where Jesus came from. But it's not profitable. He knows they're not going to listen. They have no desire to listen. He's told them many times. And he says, I'm not going to tell you. you. You don't really want to know the answer. And if you did, I would be absolutely tell you. But you don't want to know the answer. You just want to argue. And so I'm not going to answer it. And so there's times when something is so important, it's essential. It, you want to upbuild the person. You ha, you're, it's not heated. You, you are able to be respectful, but there's no profit that you've done it. Maybe this is Jesus, maybe 15th time. Who knows how many times he's talked to them, and he knows they don't want to know the answer. And so he decides, even though this is of utmost important, I'm just going to step out. I'm not going to answer this question. So you could see there's situations where things aren't profitable and we don't enter in. Well, what about, what if something is profitable, maybe, uh, it's respectful and it's essential. Let's say, this is hypothetical, let's imagine you have a conversation about the gospel with a brother. And you want to clarify with this brother who's unclear on the essential pieces of the gospel. Maybe he is missing some, or maybe he has too many. You know, there's people that believe one of the essential pieces of the gospel is baptism, which we, you know, disagree with that. Uh, that the gospel isn't Jesus came to save you from your sins, believe in him, and be baptized, and that will wash away your sins. We don't, we don't believe that. We know it's a symbol, an, a symbol of an inward reality. But it's not essential. Someone like the thief on the cross who dies on the cross not baptized isn't, isn't lost. Um, and so let's say you're having a conversation. It could be that or it could some be other, some other essential piece of the gospel. Both you and him are respectful. It seems to be profitable. He seems open to truth. And it's a matter of utmost importance. It is essential. It's a matter of utmost importance. The gospel is one of the most important things that we could talk about. But one thing is lacking. You aren't trying to upbuild. You're just trying to be right. 
You just want to show you're right and display your knowledge of the Bible. That would be a bad disagreement. That would be a quarrel. We may have profitable, respectful. You might be outwardly respectful. It might be something essential. But in your heart, you have the wrong motive. And you need to see that. We need to repent of that. And that might be a time to step out and say, I'm not able, you know, I don't think my motives are right. Maybe we could talk about this another time. So, I, one of the goal, one of the reasons this is kind of repetitive. The reason is I'm hoping that after I go through this like five times, you'll remember what the P, the U, the R, and the E stand for. But remember, P is profitable, U is upbuilding, R is respectful, and E is essential. Profitable, upbuilding, respectful, and essential. All right. What if uh, another hypothetical here? Imagine. Um, oh, did I get that wrong? I just did it backwards, didn't I? Um, I may have got my slides mixed up here. That's okay. Um, that's okay. We'll just move on and I'll figure out what I did later. Um, okay, so this one. Is the same situation. You have... A conversation about the gospel to clarify with a brother who's unclear on essential pieces. And you really do want to profit him. You want to, you know, build him up this time. Instead, this time, you really do want to build him up. Your goal isn't to be right. Your goal is to build him up. But when you get in the conversation and you get your emotions get heated, you start being disrespectful. You start to be sarcastic and abusive. Not because you don't want to help them, but just because you are lacking self-control in this conversation. Look at these verses from Proverbs eighteen nineteen. It says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling like the bars of the castle. If you offend somebody, if you are having this talk and you really want to build them up, one way to do no good is to start offending them, start being sarcastic towards them. Because... Proverbs says, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong castle. Uh, more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling like the bars of a castle. So if you're having this conversation with a brother, you really want to do him good. And the way that you kind of are trying to show him that his point's wrong is you make some sarcastic comment to show that his point is stupid. Walls are going up. You're not going to help that brother. You're not going to be able to help that brother. That's not... That be, that's becoming a coral. So we've got to be profitable. It's got to be profitable, upbuilding, and respectful. We don't want to miss. We don't want two out of the three, do we? We don't want to have profitable, upbuilding, and essential conversations where we're not respectful, where we're sarcastic and abusive. That's wrong. Um, we're not going to be able to do good. We're not really going to be able to build up people uh, if that's our goal, if we're not kind and patient and gentle. Like, Second Timothy, that's a typo. Second uh, Timothy, I don't know what where that reference is because there's not 23 chapters in Second Timothy. So, all right. So, all right. This time I'm gonna give it to you as a quiz. P. Anybody? What's P stand for? Okay. U. R. And E. Essential. This is a situation, let's imagine we've got the first three. We've got profitable, upbuilding, respectful, but it's not essential. 
Imagine you're a college student. And you're going to have a conversation about secondary issues. Maybe masks. Maybe politics. Or the age of the earth. All secondary. All secondary issues. Someone could have the wrong position on any of those and be absolutely right on the gospel and be a Christian and die and go to heaven. And they could be wrong on all of them and still are be trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord uh, and go to heaven. So it's not essential. Those are all not necessarily different ones are more important than others, but none of them are absolutely essential on the gospel. Okay. So he's willing, you're a college student, you're having a conversation about this secondary issue, and he's willing, to, this person is willing to have a conversation with you. They seem open to truth. You're trying to build them up. You're not trying to tear them down. You generally desire their good. You're both respectful and kind. Everything goes as good as possible. And he changes his mind on the secondary issue and thanks you afterwards, but he never hears the gospel. That may be the wrong thing. You may need to realize and consider yeah, this is important, but what's really essential here? Is, is my main goal to convince people of secondary issues, the right position on them, or is our main goal to share the gospel? What's this person's real need? Is this person really need to change their view on politics, or do they just need to know Jesus? Not that there's not time. There's time to discuss these things. I'm not saying you can't discuss them, but you have to have in your mind an awareness that this is not essential and that if we spent our whole life bringing people to the right positions on secondary issues and no one came to know the gospel, we missed, we missed it. What if a lot of people come to know that Jesus Christ can save them from their sins and they have the wrong position on masks? That's okay with me. Same with politics. Same with the age of the earth. We've got to do, it's like triage. Have you heard the word triage? It's a medical term. It's you're, you're in a situation and there's all these patients, maybe war, okay? The word triage means you're looking around and you have all these patients and they're all injured. One of them is shot. One of them is hurt. One of them is passed out. You don't know if they're alive or dead. And you have to decide as a medical maybe the nurse or the doctor, who do I treat first? That's triage. And so they get training on it. Well, who do you treat first? And if you mess up, it's a big deal. Because if there's a guy right there with a scratch on his arm and you're putting alcohol on it and putting a Band-Aid on it while somebody else is bleeding, you really messed up. There's some things you deal with first. And we need to do theological triage. When we meet somebody who's, you know, maybe you meet somebody in Kirksville who's... Um, you know, you don't know where they're at. You've got to do some theological triage. What's the most important thing here spiritually to deal with? Is the number one thing to me to ask them who are you going to vote for? No, that's not the number one thing. I need to know what's important and have that in the back of my mind because there are people, and we can be like this, who get spend their whole lives fighting tooth and nail for things that are secondary. And that if in the end every argument they had uh, turned out to be successful, they would miss the important things. And we don't want to be like that. We've got to have this in our mind. Look at this uh, verse here, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. 
I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is of first importance, the gospel. Jesus' death and resurrection is of first importance. We can have secondary conversations, but we have to have in the back of our mind knowing this is secondary. We can't slip into thinking this is number one. Because there's time to redirect it. There's time to avoid it and to think, talk about the important things. And certainly, if something's not essential, then when these other things start going, it's a good time to step out. If it starts not being upbuilding, if it starts to not be respectful and you, it's not profitable, if, it's, if you know it's not essential, that's a good reason to, to bow out of this conversation. So how do we apply this? So we've gone over this. Uh, one way is I hope that you know, can remember this. And actually, uh, we're actually going to do a series, topical series, after this. Because it's not so easy to answer this question. Is How essential is this? It's not actually that easy. There are some things on one side that we know this isn't essential. And there are things on the other side we know this is really essential. But there's a lot of space in the middle where, there's, where we have to dig and think. And so after Philippians, Lord willing, we're going to do a series on essentials. What's important? How do we know what's essential? And let's, let's have it in our minds. It takes a lot of work to work these things out and to do that, practice that theological triage. What's most important here? What's, what's first? What's second? What's third? And so we're going to do that after Philippians. It's kind of a topical uh, series. So there's going to be some more training in one way on that. But how do we apply it? Well, number one, the first thing I said at the very beginning was that real Christians have disagreements. Real Christians have disagreements. So number one, how and when will you disagree? You're going to have a disagreement. You are going to have a disagreement with another Christian or with non-Christians. How and when will you disagree? I hope when it's profitable that you'll want to upbuild, that you'll be respectful and have at least in the back of your mind, is this essential? Have that question in the back of your mind. So you are going to have a disagreement. How and when will you? The second thing and the third thing that we said, we know from this passage from Eureka and Syntyche, is that real Christians can lose sight of what's important in disagreements, and real Christians need guidance on how to handle disagreements. So how do we apply this? Well, I hope that you can know what's important. At least have some framework. Not just your emotions could lead the show all the time. If you feel strongly about an issue, jump in. If you don't, don't. And you could miss it on both sides. You could jump in when you shouldn't, and you could not jump in when you should because you're letting your emotions guide you. The reality is we need to know what's important, and I hope this will help you to at least begin to consider What's profitable? Is this upbuilding? Is this respectful? Am I being respectful? Is this essential? Number four, we said that we can learn from this passage about Euodia and Syntyche is that Christians need help from one another. Just like Paul asked this true companion to step in and help, we need help. I need help. You need help. Because you know what? Anybody in here going to get this right every time? No, we need help. This is hard. I mean, there's a lot of questions here to think through in, the, in a moment, or even when you have time to reflect. There's a lot of different moving pieces here, and so we need help from one another. I need help from you. You need help from me. I hope we can all work together to do this better, 
to disagree in a way that honors God and not to quarrel. And so just like the true companion can help these women, we need to help one another in this. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you a a real-life example. I'm not going to tell you who this is, but this is a famous modern-day pastor that you would know. Um, But this is, yeah, don't, this was meant to be funny when he said it, but it's not. It's a bad example. I'm going to give you a really bad example uh, of, uh, unfortunately, a pastor I'm missing this. Um, so this is a pastor, uh, and the topic came up. He was talking, and the, he brought up the topic of pro football players kneeling during the national anthem. Okay, so if you don't know, in the NFL, some football players kneel during the national anthem for um, to show support for people who died with a, uh, from police shootings and things like that, and, or violence. Um, it started quite a few years ago and relevant again today because of some of the things going on, George Floyd and some of these other guys that have died. Um, and so they kneel. And so this is what the pastor says publicly. What? Are you crazy? We know football players aren't as smart as baseball players. Everyone laughs. Just how dumb they are, I don't know. Everyone laughs. Someone from the crowd says, there are exceptions. And then the pastor says, there are exceptions, probably. And everyone laughs again. So just, first off, is that profitable? Is that, just overall, is this a profitable conversation? Upbuilding. Is this upbuilding? What, are you crazy? We know football players aren't as smart as baseball players. Just how dumb they are, I don't know. That's not a building. Respectful? Absolutely not. Scoffing? Absolutely. Essential? This is not worth offending anybody. I mean, this is, this is a bad example. A really, really bad example. People mess up. Is, can this person be a real Christian? Yeah. Can this pastor have great things to say and be clear on the gospel? Yeah. We could all read this pastor's books and profit and learn and grow. But this pastor really messed up. So what about us? I need you and we need you to keep each other accountable. I want you to hold me accountable. If I use an example that you feel like doesn't fit this, I want you to talk to me. That pastor needs somebody who can come to him and say, that's not profitable, that's not upbuilding, that's not respectful, and that's not essential. You're turning people off on what's really important. And you're closing the door on the gospel. Is that worth it? And so I need you, I'm asking you, every one of you, to do that for me. If I use an example in my sermon or in a conversation that's, n- that's even missing one of these, would you talk to me? And let's talk about it. I need help. All the pastors, I think, would, would be happy to be approached and, and to be confronted and to be helped in this way. We need help. And we need to do it to each other, not just the pastors, but if you have a, a wife or friends that you trust, tell them and just give them an open door. Say, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe one of these you struggle with. Maybe it's, maybe it's up building. And you say to your wife, you know what? A lot of times when I get in dis- disagreements, I lose sight that the goal is really to build up others and I just try and prove my point. I just want to be right. Would you really help me and keep me accountable? I want you to feel free to tell me 
when it seems like I'm losing sight of what's really important. We need help. And so we need to invite others in, and that's what I'm trying to do now is invite you in and ask you, help, help me, help us, help one another. Let's keep each other accountable in this area. We don't want to be quarreling. We don't want to be a church characterized by quarreling. We want to be pure in our doctrine and our character. How else can we apply it? The last thing we said that we can learn from this passage about Euodia and Syntyche is that real Christians can agree in the Lord and disagree about secondary things. We need to know the difference between primary and secondary, and hopefully you got a little bit of that today, but just to give you kind of a spoiler, when we go in Philippians and go into this other series, I'm going to go through this whole thing again, hopefully so you can remember it, um, and we'll get deeper into what is essential. And so we need help on that, and that's going to take, again, one another. We need help from one another. And I hope this is applicable to you. This has been really applicable to me this week. I've gone through this, you know, in my mind when I started to get upset five or six times this week. Is this profitable? Is this upbuilding? Is this respectful? Is this essential? I'll give you a couple examples. I was on the phone doing some paperwork. You know, I'm not working at the school district anymore, trying to close out some different uh, paperwork that I have uh, have to do, and it was horrible. I mean, you know, you've had those things where you get paperwork, and it's like, this is like all these loopholes, and the person on the phone, you know they know what you need to do, but they won't tell you. <laughs> and it's just frustrating. And I started to get worked up, you know, frustrated. Um, and I went through this. Is this profitable? Is this upbuilding? Am I being respectful? Is this really essential? And it helped me. It was like, you know what? Being upset is not going to help me get through this paperwork. And this person, I'm sure, has rules, and that's I'm sure why they're being less helpful than they could be, and their their <laughs> hands are tied, too, and they're probably just as frustrated as I am. And just, it helped me. It's helpful. <laughs> um, so it could be not even a Christian, necessarily, that, that just something uh, where you're on the phone, there's a lot of paperwork. In heaven, I know there's not going to be paperwork because everybody's going to be honest. You don't need a driver's license because you're not going to say, you're not going to lie and say you didn't pass a driver's test. You'll just say, you know, I'm who I am and you won't need a card because everybody tells the truth. So nobody's steal your house. You know, you won't need a deed because nobody's going to steal your house. So no more paperwork, I think, <laughs> in heaven. Um, so paperwork, but I'm thankful for it now. <laughs> when somebody could steal my house. Um, so I could be at home with your kids. Uh, this week I said, time to wash our hands, it's time for dinner. And we had uh, somebody crawl down the hall, army style, saying, I'm a worm, I'm a worm. <laughs> but they're going towards the bathroom. And so I thought, well, is this, is this profitable? Is this up building? Is this respectful? Is this essential? They can army call to wash their hands. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, they're going to the right direction, and I could say get up and walk to the bathroom, but or I could just forget it and just say, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter, and not have an argument, and that was what I did. Um, of course, if, if you're, my child's not 16, so it might be different <laughs> if that was the case, but... 
So that's some discernment there. Okay. How else? Could be in church. I mean, there, we have discussions. We had elders had a discussion this week. What about that? We're having, we had to make a decision on something. What about this? What about this? And we had different opinions. And I hope it was profitable at building respectful and uh, keeping in mind what's essential. Um, as far as I know, no one got heated. But it's something to keep in mind. It happens repeatedly. Now I'm going to do something a little bit, maybe ruffle some feathers or whatever, because um, metal maybe a little bit in your life, make you a little uncomfortable. Because I don't see a lot of heated arguments here at Lake Road necessarily. What about Facebook? If you went back and you looked at your Facebook posts and you asked, is this profitable? Is this upbuilding? Is this respectful? Is this something I would post if I kept in mind how what's essential, what's most important? What would it be like then? Are there things that you're posting that that are not upbuilding or, or not respectful, not kind, that are sarcastic or mean? This is a big deal. I, I actually had a pastor friend that I was talking to, and he was saying, Facebook's a big problem among professing Christians. And and how do I deal with it? How I don't have a Facebook personally, so I don't, you know, I'm just jumping into the cultural melee or whatever, but Christians don't have a great testimony on Facebook. I even heard today, I was just, not today, uh, this week I was driving and the Christian radio announcer said they posted something on the Christian radio station, so who's going to be commenting on that? Hopefully Christians. And they said they were surprised that there was not one negative comment. Can you th- That's surprising to me. And they were joking about it. So here's Christian radio. They're expecting it. Every time I post on, post on Facebook, somebody's going to say something mean. That's sad. That's really sad. We don't want to be like that. How is that, you know, what kind of testimony uh, in terms of this, is it pure up, up, um, up building, respectful, and essential? What testimony do we have towards non-Christians in terms of Facebook or, you know, whatever the new thing is that kids are using now? Um, Instagram or whatever. Something really to think about. It's really important. And so... Let's just pray that we can we can grow in this. I hope this is helpful. We're going to cover this again, and it's been helpful to me this week. So hopefully you can remember it and use it. Let's pray together. Lord, we do just want to honor you in all our actions, motives, attitudes, and everything. We want to honor you with how we talk, type, text. Uh, disagree with both Christians and non-Christians. You are a good God, and we want to we want to remember what's essential and lead people to point people towards you and not turn people away from you. Would you help us in this? Would you help us with our kids? Would you help us with our wives and husbands? And we just need help in everyday life. Would you make our lives characterized by godly disagreements and we just hand that to you we love you we're thankful for you god thankful for how gracious you are to us and thank you for your spirit that's with us to help us ask this in your name amen
Well, I think we're dismissed, and if you can fellowship together outside, that'd be great.